0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. Happy Monday. My name is Haley, and I am your host. This week, we are joined with another guest. We have an orthodontist joining us for a conversation in a couple minutes. I am going to do my typical weekly intro, and I did just want to mention... Like I said in the last episode, we're doing a little book club of the book Atomic Habits over the next couple weeks, so at the end of this episode, I'm going to have a closing segment discussing the book, and I also encourage you to join our Facebook group for all things, but also there will be a post each week where we can discuss our takeaways from the books, maybe what habits we're trying to implement, or which ways we're going to use different techniques from the book in our own lives. So I encourage you to join our Facebook group. It's just the Dental Download Podcast Facebook group, and you can get to that through our Instagram, which is at Dental Download Podcast, or you can just search it up on Facebook. But I did want to fill you in a little bit on what's happening in my life and also provide some motivation before we get into the conversation with Dr. Marianne. So not too much to discuss for life updates at this point. We're on our three and a half week break. So it's December 27th and I'm recording this. Christmas just happened. My family celebrates that. And then we obviously have New Year's coming up in a few days. And my family returned back to Florida where they live for the winter. But I'm still here in Michigan for a week. And then I'm joining them in Florida for a week. And then I'll go back to Ann Arbor For my classes that start January 11th, once we're up to that week's episode, I will give you an update about all the classes and everything I'm taking, but for now, just updates is that things are great, I'm really taking a lot of time to relax this week. Last week I spent doing a lot of podcasts to make sure that I am on track and have episodes to post for you all next semester, but this week I'm totally taking off of podcasts and YouTube, other than obviously recording intros and stuff like this, but not posting any videos this week. I'll be back posting vlogs the first week of January, every Wednesday, and then sometimes extra videos. If you didn't know, I have a YouTube channel and I posted over 20 videos in December for vlogs. Which is basically you upload every day in December, but I skipped Sundays, so there's like 20 plus videos for you all to check out and also everything is in a playlist on YouTube called Vlogmas 2020. Or you can also look at my playlist called Dental School if you are new to this podcast anyway and you're interested in what I am up to as a D1 at the University of Michigan's dental school. And I did mention this in a vlog, but I'll say it on this platform because I know not everyone follows the vlog but also the podcast. So if you did get into University of Michigan and you plan to come here and have any questions at all about the school or about housing, please please reach out to me on Instagram and I am so happy to help you. But that pretty much is everything for the life catch up. Really just relaxing. Um, trying to read. Obviously, Atomic Habits, like we're all working on, if you guys chose to join our little book club segment. But I also have a couple other business books I want to read and some AGD, Academy of General Dentistry magazines I want to catch up on that are always really Interesting and keep me in the loop on what's happening, I guess, in the professional world of this field that I'm entering into. So, that is a really great organization. I've mentioned it so many times, but highly, highly encourage you to join it if you are looking into general dentistry and you're not already a member because you can join as a student and you can also join or stay a member when you're actually practicing as a dentist. But this week's motivation, I actually am going to take a little bit from the book. Not too many spoilers, but um, we did read the first two parts of the book, so I stopped right at part two. So there's like an intro part, then there's part one of Building Habits. So those were the ones we read last week. And then next week, we're going to read part two and part three. So in part one and the intro, my main takeaway was actually um, a motivational thing that I just wanted to throw into this episode. And that is that you really have a lot more control than you think with who you want to be. A lot of your actions and your decisions are made based on your own perception of yourself. So if you can reinvent your perception of yourself and really take a deeper look into who you want to be and start making decisions as if you are that person. You have that identity. If you want to be a really compassionate person, if you want to be a studious person, if you want to be a more educated provider, whatever it may be, frame yourself as like, I am a studious person. I am an educated provider. And you will naturally start to make decisions that reflect being that type of person. So ponder that I guess sit with that for this coming week and see if you can make any improvements in your life that you're looking to make. So with all of that said in this intro we will get into our conversation with Dr. Mary Ann the orthodontist in California.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
0: right. Hi, everyone. We have another guest today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, thanks for having me on.
1: Um, my name is Marianne Demergi. Um, I'm an orthodontist practicing here in Los
0: Angeles. Awesome. So, where did you do your dental school and then your ortho residency? Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for having me on. This is really awesome and
1: incredible. I wish I was cool enough to do this in dental school, but I definitely <laughs> didn't. Um, I so I did dental school um, at Loma Linda um, here in Southern California. Um, And then my residency, I went up to UCSF for ortho for a three-year program. Uh,
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So how long did you say that you've been practicing now? Yeah,
1: so pretty recent. I graduated um, June of 2019, so I thought I was well into my first year until COVID hit. Um, so then that got kind of cut short a bit <laughs> to say that I'd been practicing that long. But um I'm back into the swing of things since June. So yeah, it's been about a year. Um it's been really great too.
0: That's awesome. So what type of practice setting are you involved in? Is it private practice? Yeah. So okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. Private. Um, And I, so my first year I practiced my first full year up in San Francisco um, and I worked three different places. I worked at a kind of tech startup that was clear aligners only. Um, I worked at three different private offices. um, And then my offices down here are also private. So I'm at one in Westwood um, and it is a private office. And then my other office is actually with my family because my dad is also an orthodontist um, and that's the office that I'm trying to build up um, to kind of make my own. So it's all private settings that I've worked at. Um, I know there's a huge dilemma between working private or corporate um, and I've, I've, I think been lucky to work in a private setting but um, I think certainly if a corporate opportunity came along that it fit the person that's certainly something fine to explore as well.
0: Yeah. And are you doing or have done the multiple practices just to like fill your work week? Are you like an associate level at those practices? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it's, I would say at least for any
1: resident out there or someone thinking, what is the future after orthodontics? I would say the best advice I have right now looking back is have a roadmap of where you're going because Graduation came really fast and then you kind of want to know where you're going to be. So um, I I had the in the back of my mind that I'd be working um, with my dad, but I knew that wasn't a full-time opportunity. And it's, unless you're in a corporate setting, I think it is kind of hard to come by a full-time private practice setting. Of course, everyone has different situations. But um, to be able to fill however many days that you're desiring to work, um, it's, a lot easier to come by, say, an office that's like, oh, I'll have you one day a week or I'll have you two days a week. And then you find another position that takes you for two days a week to try to fill up your days. Um, So it is a bit tricky as a specialist to find an office that will be able to take you on full time just because if you are an associate at that office, the owner doctor certainly is going to want to work at their own office unless they're um, taking the route of managing multiple offices. So Yes. I'm an associate at the, um, my previous experiences were all associateships as well as the one that I'm in now. Um, And then my office is, I mean, I feel like an associate because you're trying to make it get bigger and bigger. Um, So you're always working pretty hard at that, but um, it's more ownership, I would say with my family.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And could you talk a little bit about your experience at, you said it was UCSF for your Mm orthodontic residency yeah can you talk about maybe some of the highlights of the program yes
1: yes it is it is an awesome program that is not to go without saying that every I know every resident every program has their issues but like if anyone came to me asking like should I go to UCSF well I've heard this and that whatever like it's a great program not only by virtue of like the faculty that are there that really care about you but um I for me I know COVID has of thrown a wedge in terms of everything going on right now but in terms of my experience at that program I I saw so many patients I had I think it was like 90 starts I had transfers like I it was almost like I couldn't keep up so to me like that is what residency is you want the experience you want the exposure you want to see every malocclusion every case type that comes at you like you want to see it so you're not caught off guard one day in the real world where you're like i don't know how to deal with this case um so to me ucsf it's strong point not only it had the research of course it stands um like pillar of research all these things you have so many opportunities just um with the resources that they have but also to me specifically it was just the patient base because sf there's like every different type of person there, every ethnicity, every malocclusion that comes with it, um, you are going to see it and you're going to treat it. So to me, that was the best thing that came out of UCSF. Um, And of course, your co-residents, it's fun. SF is a beautiful city to be in. Um, So it was really heartbreaking for me to leave, but it was just experience as a whole of the patients, the faculty, your co-residents, it was, it was a great experience. Um, and I just blocked out, you know, the bad memories of struggling and all those terrible things. But, um, I think that comes with every residency program. There's always something to have to deal with.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I feel like that's awesome that you also, you said you ended up working there for a little bit too in San Francisco. So yeah. you probably got yeah. really attached. I'm sure it was hard to Yes,
1: <laughs> it was. It's so like, I, I fell in love with UC with SF. I would say like when I was in dental school, I was in the California dental association. Like I was the rep for my class. We went up there, like it's a beautiful city. It's expensive. Like there's no way to cut that. Um, so it's expensive to live, but thankfully, um, if you are considering going and, um, you, you do get in the tuition, it's a, it's a public school. So the tuition kind of offsets the cost, especially if you're in state, um, which made it much better. But, um, it is definitely expensive, but it's a beautiful city.
0: Awesome. So are you able to reflect back a little bit about why you chose to pursue orthodontics and if you did end up considering any other specialties?
1: Yeah. So for me, I mean, it started with my dad. Um, he, he opened a private office, um, a couple years out of graduating. Um, So, and he was, it was a second career for him. So it's not like my whole life he was in orthodontics. So maybe when I was in my teens, he opened the office and I would go there and shadow and work and that's where it all started. Um, So to me, that's where it started. And then I went to college and that was kind of the path. Um, I, I maybe considered like other careers, like, oh, I want to be a lawyer, this and that, but I kind of stuck with dental and then, um, I think I questioned it in dental school because I was really burnt out studying all the time, but, um, I pushed through that. And then, um, when I was in my third year in dental school, I did, I started doing like the serious, okay, let me shadow. I think I did like the implant department at Loma Linda because there's this really strong, um, I hung around perio. I really considered oral surgery, but like, I didn't think I was, I had the personality to do oral surgery, um, So to me, I I gave a couple, I gave some time to those residents, or sorry, to those specialties thinking, could this be the one for me? But at the end of the day, it was always um, ortho, just because ortho, like I'm the most biased person to talk about ortho with, but I love it. The patients are happy to see you, like dentistry. Like I remember in dental school, like, I I don't know if my patients were great, but like patients were not so happy to see you because you have to tell them like, Oh, you have decay. You actually need a crown. Just kidding. You also need a root canal on top of that. And they're staring at you like, I didn't know this. I'm not in pain. I can't afford this payment. So to me, that was like taxing on me emotionally, but ortho, like they walk through the door, they know what they're getting. They want to get it They're, I mean, bummed that braces are also kind of sucky, but they are more enthusiastic about it. So to me, it was more of a personality thing that I thought it was something that fit me because I was excited to see my patients. They were excited to see me. There was no question about whether or not they wanted to be there. They wanted to be there to get the outcome that I could deliver to them. So it was more of something that would lend to a better quality of life to me. And I like it. I like, you know, awkward teenagers. They're funny. They're weird. You get to kind of stay in with what's going on. Um, So for me, after doing all of that my third year, I kind of committed to ortho and then I didn't look back after that.
0: That's really cool. So what would you say is something about orthodontics that is different than maybe you expected initially? I I
1: think everyone kind of told me ortho is so easy. Like, what are you worried about or whatever? And I think anyone that tells you that or they say ortho is boring and I kind of had those fears like what if I am going to be bored like I like dentistry you can do I don't know filling crown root canal whatever you want um but ortho is just ortho and what if you're bored and you find it boring and like that's a lie anyone that tells you that or anyone that gets that thought into your head is they I don't I don't unfortunately think they don't know what they're talking about because you never I never get bored I mean I realize I'm pretty new into practice, but, um, I think I've seen enough that there's always something to keep you on your toes. So I, I just think it's so fun and it's so, it keeps you so busy. So, and there is, especially depending on the practice that you're working at, if it has a good flow of patients, your assistants are motivated and excited about what they're doing. Like it's the most fun work situation to be in because people are just ready to see you. Everyone's excited about colors. I don't know. It's a great place to be a part of. So um, I think I did have those fears when I was applying, thinking like, what if I get bored and what if I don't like it? I was already over dentistry by the time I was applying to residency. Um, but all of that is not true. It's It's way too fun. It's almost too fun, honestly.
0: Yeah. And I feel like all of dentistry, but definitely in ortho, you're really able to like improve the quality of life of the patient that you're seeing. Do you feel like any case that comes to mind when you felt like super proud of the result you were able to give a patient? Um, Yeah, it's it's usually
1: with the class three or the underbite patients, the ones, um, especially the ones that go into surgery, like that to me is when I see those patients, at least for the exam, and I know it's kind of scary to be like, Hey, did anyone tell you you needed jaw surgery? And they look at you like you're crazy. Um, but those patients, like it is, it's it's usually the surgical patients that are the most life-changing impact because when you have an underbite, like you, you only know how you are able to function with that bite, which is how you eat and the kind of modifications you have to do to be able to eat properly. Um, but when their bite is fixed and let's say like three or four weeks after surgery when all the swelling is down um it's like they're a different person first of all their face facially they're a different person but functionally i've had a patient it was one in residency that she was like i didn't know that this is how i'm supposed to be biting like this is completely foreign to me and she's like blown away by the fact that this is how she was supposed to be biting like for the past i don't know however many years of her life and now she's like oh, I didn't know I was missing out on all of this. So that is life-changing. Of course, there's the, on the other extreme, there's the class two um, patients with more of a overjet. Um, And there's, if you're treating for, let's say, not only the bite, but for airway purposes, then they come back to you. I had one patient also that was like, I breathe better, I sleep better, I'm not as tired during the day. Like, So I understand orthodontics is... There's obviously the aesthetic component of it. There's the dentally functional component of it. But when you bridge it with surgery, that's I think the most life-changing component. So, and even for all the patients, like everyone we ask them, like, what is your chief complaint? What do you want to be here for? And people are very honest on those things. They say, like, my I have low self-esteem. I've always been self-conscious about my smile. And like, they boldly admit it. They know why they're there. And so for every patient, there's something that you do that changes their quality of life. So there's the extreme end of surgery. And then there's the, my lower tooth is crooked. My orthodontist fixed it. And now I'm happy and I have the confidence to smile. So it it it's, it's on all ends of the spectrum.
0: And you mentioned that obviously sometimes patients do need surgery. And I'm assuming the oral surgeon mm-hmm. is the one that does that. Do you yes. work... Yeah most do you feel like you're working more closely with general dentists or oral surgeons or kind of like a mix
1: um it's it's a mix and i think in residency it was more i i knew the surgeon because we were working with the surgeons um over at ucsf um so i was really familiar with them and they were really cool honestly <laughs> um so like they they were excited as excited about what we were doing um as what they were able to do um and then down here, I'm slowly trying to familiarize myself with like the surgeons in the LA area, um, as well as the dentists, of course. Um, but we work with, honestly, it's all all specialties. Like the most important thing for dentistry, like I learned this. Honestly, another great thing about UCSF, we had so many um, like interdisciplinary seminars. So we met with surgeons, we met with perio residents. Um, I think that interaction is what's best because you don't know what the other specialty can provide to the patient or maybe you have an idea of it but you don't know specifically what they could provide like i i thought i i knew perio but through all those seminars like it blew me away i was like wow we could do all these things they're capable of providing all this input so um I I love working with periodontists, like they're so well versed on what they can and can't do with all the gingiva, whatever you want to do, whatever graft, whatever soft tissue bone graft, they'll, they'll handle it. So to me, I I love working with specialists and it depends obviously on the specialist that you're working with. Are they the type that's like excited to chat with you about stuff or the type that's kind of not so excited? Um, So the more excited, the more enthusiastic they are in terms of seeing like, you know, we're working together on this. It's not like one person is telling the other person what to do. It's kind of, Hey, I want to do this. Can you please evaluate X, Y, Z, and then tell me your input. And then let's talk about it. So I, it's on all ends of the spectrum in terms of working with GP, perio, oral surgery, um, endo sometimes if I see like bombed out tooth and uh, we definitely can't extract it. So please, at least to help with the malocclusion. occlusion, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun once you kind of get different professionals on board and kind of see their education and their background, because obviously, if they went to a different school, they have a different perspective to offer you and what you can offer what's best to the patient.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned like um, underbite and overjet and sometimes mm-hmm. that you do need to do more like complex treatment planning or maybe surgery. Mm-hmm. Like how mm-hmm. common are these cases that maybe maybe require yeah. surgery or more complex versus just like you said, like a teenager that's getting braces?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on not only like the area that you practice, but also the setting under which you practice. For example, like when you're in a residency setting, you are going to give every treatment plan under the sun to that patient because that's part of your training. So you're going to tell them, we could just do braces. We could do extraction. You could benefit from surgery as well. And there are patients that fit into that category. And that in the real world, not that it doesn't apply, not that you are not required to inform them of those benefits, but it's a bit more honed down. So before I get into that, like residency, I, I would say like I had maybe 10 surgical cases, um, extractions, like I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I had enough that I saw the different extraction patterns. Um, majority still is straightforward, just braces. You're not worried about like having to extract or anything like that. Um, but it's predominantly more, I would say in residency because you are delivering the ideal treatment plan for that patient. Um, and it's a different setting when you're in a school and patients kind of know that this is an educational setting. There is a different set of rules kind of, um, in the real world, I would say that patients are more tuned into what it is they're getting. So if you have a patient that's borderline extraction or non-extraction, um, they they have their input. They're not, they're not kind of beholden to like the school saying like, no, this is how we treat ideally. Not to say that you're doing a disservice to them, but obviously you have to explain like, look, the risks of treating you non-extraction, your teeth are going to procline. You may have bone loss, X, Y, Z. This is why I don't advise it. However, of course I can treat you non-extraction, but your teeth are going to be blown out forward. Um, and it's to them to decide if they want to do that, if they don't want to do that. Um, they have the ability to choose. Um and then I would say surgery is a lot less in the real world. Um just because patients are not jumping to get surgery. Like I I and I understand I if someone told me like you need jaw surgery, I I would definitely be thinking two or three times about it before saying like, you know what, this is the way I have to go. But that's where it kind of relies upon the provider to tell the patient, like, look, I have seen this in my training that this is the best outcome. And depending on how strongly you feel that it's going to benefit the patient, that's when I spend more time telling the patient, like, look, your quality of life will improve. You'll be able to function better. And in the some like extreme ones, I'll tell them like, look, I cannot treat you without surgery. Your bite will not fit. You will hate me for it. Like, I can't do this. And at that point, when the patients are seeing how desperate you are to try to tell them like, look, there's no other way to cut this. um, They kind of are more receptive to what you're saying. I would say, though, like in the real world, it's a little less regimented as it is in residency, but that's just the nature of what you're dealing with, that patients kind of know what is happening in a private office versus um, in a school setting. But obviously, your goal is to tell them, hey, this is treatment plan A, B, C, I feel like based off of what you're telling me and what your goals are, I think B is the best treatment plan. Um, And then if they're on board with that, that's good. But um, there's some patients that you can sway if you tell them like, hey, have you ever noticed that your profile could look a little bit different? Then when you start asking the right questions, they start picking up where you're going with it. And it usually works in their favor.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So what do you think is one of the bigger challenges of your job? You've definitely talked a lot about all the things you like, but is there anything that's really Mm -hmm. challenging or maybe that you don't love so much?
1: I think the challenge like for orthodontics, obviously right now, um, is the, the DIY clear liner companies. Um, so having to see patients, it's not so much the patients, but I would say like for example, friends that ask me, like, what do you think about it? Or even, yeah, there's patients that ask. Um, and you have to sit there and be like, yes, we charge much higher than those companies because we are licensed professionals. And not to say, I know there are some companies that use licensed professionals, of course, but um, we are doing the due diligence to make sure that we are doing it the right way as best we can, blah, blah, blah. I'm not just mailing you stuff and saying like, go wear it. <laughs> I don't know what'll happen afterwards. Um, so I think that like trying to re um, revamp the image that orthodontics is, it is a medical treatment. It's not like, like, yeah, you're not going to do DIY heart surgery. Like, and I understand orthodontics and heart surgery are certainly different things, but there are risks and complications that can arise that really upset the patient that are really painful. Like you can lose teeth. There are, I've seen cases where it's, there's an impacted tooth and the person had small direct club treatment or whatever treatment, I don't know. And it's, it's just outrageous. So to me, it's trying to reorient or repicture in the patient's brain, like, why is this treatment worth this much? And why is it worth to see a licensed professional versus going through the DIY companies. And I understand like it is a steep price to pay, but um, there is value in that. So I would say that's kind of one challenge. Um, The other challenge I would say is trying to explain to the patient why their treatment is still going on (laughs) when they're like 13 months in and ready to be done with it. But you're sitting there trying to understand how to get their bite to fit perfectly Um, because patients inevitably can't see what we see they don't see that their bite doesn't fit perfectly in the back and to me as a professional is trying to do the best job that I can like I want to get it fixed like I I don't want to leave it bad because that's my mark on their life and if some other dentist one day looks and says like what did this orthodontist do none of their you know cusps are touching blah, blah blah whatever um so it's trying to Educate the patient to see, like, look, I understand your front six teeth look great, but there's another mess going on in the back that I need to take care of. So, um, I think it's just patient education, patient awareness. Um, and I think it's getting better and better because as I've practiced, there's more patients that are aware of, like, look, my bite fits perfectly on this side and they're class one, everything fits together. But then the other side, they're like, I have spaces between my teeth indicating their bites are not perfectly class one. Um, so I think there is an awareness that there is a distinction between what is good orthodontics, what is average orthodontics, what is really bad orthodontics. So I think it's just the education, the awareness, like seeing the value and the treatment beyond just, I have straight teeth. It's, you know, there's also a ton of teeth in the back of your mouth that need to be straightened out too. So there's those things, just trying to make sure the patients see the value in what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And patient education, I would imagine is maybe one of the reasons that you started your dental Instagram. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Like I, uh, it's yes.
1: That was a big reason because um, it was actually, and I know you interviewed um, Dr. Joyce. She said it before. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't say all the things you need to say in one appointment. Like, cause, and even if you say it, they will forget it. Cause I, they come back the next appointment and they're like, my wire is poking blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I told you it would happen. Like, so no matter what you do, like you can't get it all in, um, especially in like a one hour bonding or an hour and a half, like I don't know, hour and 10 minute bonding. Um, so yeah, I made that page like, cause I, I'm not only first, I wanted to obviously bring attention to the fact that I'm, um, a private practice owner and I want to treat patients. Um, and I'm, I want to take care of them, but not only that, but I want other patients that are in orthodontic treatment to see my page and be like, Oh, I had a question about this. Let me see if she has a post about it. Um, and then scroll through it and hopefully find what they're looking for. So it's, it's a mixed bag, I would say, because then um, sometimes you get the patients that then become experts better than you. And you're sitting there like, wait, why are you trying to teach me <laughs> what I know? Um, but I think if it's conveyed in a patient terminology manner that's appropriate to the patient to understand and makes them feel comfortable that like, OK, I am empowered with this information and I do something. Um, or I can be aware if they're not in treatment, then they're aware about maybe there's something wrong with my bite and I need it taken care of. Um, it's something that helps them. Like, for example, I always have patients that come in and they're like, doctor, do I need braces? And like, I want to tell them like, this is super biased again, but like everyone needs braces. There is no one with perfect teeth. So yeah, everyone needs braces. So when they ask me like, do I need braces? Like, yeah, of course you do. And I just, it blows me away that that's even a question sometimes, but that's, I don't know. So that's the point of my page. So not only to like obviously promote myself and my practice, but to help patients because this is, this is not just my job. It's who I am. This is all I, I mean, left and right, I'm thinking about teeth. So I just want to help patients understand.
0: Mm -hmm. And transitioning maybe outside of work, how do you Mm -hmm. balance your personal life and your job? (laughs) Um, So,
1: I would say like it's it's been a journey <laughs> it's a learning experience um so starting from like dental school and like I know like you're you're starting your dental journey like my first and second year was like I didn't I studied non-stop and especially knowing like if I'm going to do ortho I need the good grades or whatever so I I don't think I had a social life I was just studying so um third and fourth year got better. And then like you start hanging out with friends, blah, 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 trying to do more fun things. Um, residency got even better because not that it's not, not challenging, but you kind of get used to the workload. You start, it's not the, it doesn't get harder. You get better kind of mentality. So you start understanding better, like, okay, I can intently dedicate my time X, Y, like this X number of hours, then after that, I'm not going to spend a single second thinking about school stuff or work stuff, whatever. Um, And then in the real world, I would say the payoff right now is you as a dentist, becoming dentist, whoever is listening to this, becoming into entering this field, like you have the power to choose your schedule. And when you are applying to school, I would say, I don't know if that quite sunk in, but now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, I see now because you see like your friends that are grinding nine to five Monday through Friday, like struggling. And then you have the luxury to choose, like, you know what? I'm not working on Mondays. Like that's the bottom line. And you don't have to work on Mondays depending on how you can make your schedule work. Um, so right now I'm working like three days a week. I would say, um, I feel guilty because I probably should be working more, but, um, you, it's up to you to decide your schedule. So you kind of make it work how you want it to be. Um, and then, in terms of trying to make sure that work doesn't interfere with your personal life. You you need to learn how to draw those boundaries because hey, people will abuse it, unfortunately, because they know you care. That's the problem with being such a caring provider is they know that you will jump to the opportunity to help patients. And of course you want to do that, but you have to also set your own limits as to what makes you productive during that nine to five that you are working there. So you just need to, Learn your boundaries, know what you're comfortable with, know where you're willing to give and not. And then um, you have to just, unfortunately, the name of the game is you have to give your 100% when you're on clinic or seeing patients or whatever, because that's what they're there for. And you shouldn't be projecting your own stresses or whatever on that poor patient, even though I let them do that because I'm there to take care of them. But you want to make sure that you're conducting yourself in a professional way and these things, whatever. So boundaries. That's the most important thing.
0: Thank you so much for sharing so much of your experience with us today. Do you have any final thoughts, closing thoughts that you want to get out to the listeners?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it was not, I, I, it was not that long ago that I was right there, like in the, in, like, I, I think I messaged you. I was, if you're like starting, like, I remember that day. I remember what I wore. I remember walking up to the campus. Like, so I was there. I vividly remember all those memories. Like, and I mean, if there's anyone that like has questions or like needs advice or anything, of course, not that I feel like I'm the end all be all on things, but certainly if there's someone that's interested in ortho or has questions or something um, pressing that they want to talk to me about, certainly like feel free to reach out on Instagram. Like I love I love giving ortho advice. Um, Unfortunately, I will probably give, like I said, the most biased advice because I think this is the best profession ever. (laughs) So if you want someone to convince you to go into ortho, I can handle that. But if you also, I of course want to be honest and try to assess your situation and recommend whether or not it's something that would fit with your lifestyle or your personality. Um, Because I know there's some people that are turned off by ortho because the fact of the matter is there are a lot of offices where it's the assistants doing everything. You just tell them and they handle it better maybe than you could if it's been a couple of years out. But I, I want to remind people like the joy of dentistry is like you choose how you want to practice. So if you want to be like my private office that I'm at um, with my dad, like we work on the patients, like we are the ones delivering care. And if that's the kind of way you want to run and you're fascinated by ortho, there's no one telling you that you can't do that. So it's kind of up to you to decide. So long story short, if you have any questions, I would more than love to help people because I remember what it was like to be there. And I, I didn't have this podcast Haley when mm-hmm. I was in dental school. And I wish I did. Cause like, I remember those feelings of like, I'm alone. I don't know who to talk to. I don't feel comfortable with like, I don't know, reaching out to a resident and just saying, Hey, can you tell me about this stuff? So I I would love to be a part of that because I still want people like excited about dentistry. I want people excited about ortho, um, because I I remember what it was be like, what it felt like to feel alone during that time. So
0: that's about it. Yeah, ortho is great. I'll never stop saying that. Well, thank you so much for everything, and I will have (laughs) your Instagram linked in the podcast show notes and also linked through on. The podcast Instagram for people to get to it easily if they do have any questions for you. But thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Of course.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: All right. So that is the end of our conversation with Dr. Marianne. Be sure to reach out to her Instagram if you have any questions at all. She is so, so kind and so driven and so willing to help pre-dents or dental students with anything at all. And make sure you stick around for the next couple minutes if you are interested in hearing my thoughts and takeaways on our book, Atomic Habits, and make sure you go over to the Facebook group and input your own opinions or tactics that you're going to implement into your own life. So I took some screenshots, I guess, or pictures of the book for certain things that I wanted to discuss with you all. So one of the things was in The Surprising Power of Atomic Habits chapter. And that was the concept of systems versus goals. So I thought that was a really interesting way to frame your outlook on what you want to accomplish in life, rather than looking at, I want an A in this class, to look at kind of a bigger picture and think of what kind of steps you need to take to get there. And ideally, I would think by focusing on these systems, you're going to find happiness and gratitude and fulfillment the whole way to just your life the whole time you're living and maybe working towards something that's far in the future or working towards something that might be an easy goal. It might be just make my bed today or something. But whatever it is, I think that by looking at the systems rather than just thinking about this goal, whether it's easy or going to take a long time, it helps to, like I was saying in the intro, make you complete certain tasks or routines more frequently to get to that goal and by doing that you're laying the foundation to be a certain type of person so like i said if you wanted to get an a in a class maybe you want to be a studious person so you're going to view yourself as a studious person and you're going to make sure that you study that class two hours every day and that would be the system the system would be putting in the effort every single day, and I think that that can be applied to a lot of things in life. I think for me going into 2021, which is also a great time to be reading this book as we're heading into the new year, I think that for me, yes, I'd like to perform a little bit better in my classes, but I think that the biggest thing for me is going to be my physical health and getting back into exercise. I know that's like a very cliche thing to do in the new year, but I think that it's something that I've always of as like, oh, I should work out more, working out's good for me, whatever it may be, rather than framing it like we were saying before that, like, I'm a healthy person, not, oh, I wish I was more healthy. Like, no, I am a healthy person, so I'm going to make the decisions that I'm going to take breaks during the day and do 10-minute workout videos, or after lunch, I'm going to do an hour workout, whatever I kind of decide is actually realistic and most beneficial, And if you frame yourself as a certain type of person, you're going to want to make those decisions. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I got from the first two parts. I don't know about you all, but I would love to hear what you thought as well. And I'll just read a little quote from the book here. So it says, a behavior that is incongruent with the self will not last. You may want more money, but if your identity is someone who consumes rather than creates, then you'll continue to be pulled towards spending rather than earning. And then it talks about health and other different things you might be trying to live like. So I think that just really hit home for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, you can want all these things, but doing something about it one time isn't going to change anything. You need to literally reframe your life to get what you want a lot of the times. So That's just really, it hit home and it made me kind of contemplate and ponder things more. I don't know if that chapter was really impactful for you all or not, but I know for me that's one of the things that stuck out the most in the first two parts that we read. I would also be interested to hear if any of you engaged in the habit tracking where you write down everything you do and then give it a plus or a minus or like an equal neutral sign. I haven't done it yet, but I'm interested to try it once I get back into school because I think right now my life on break is so different, but it could be beneficial to do it now even before there is all the school and kind of outside forces, just what am I doing when I don't have to do school? So this upcoming week, I think I am actually, I just changed my mind as we're speaking, I'm going to try it, and then I'll try it again when I get back in school and have to be studying and doing lectures all day. So if any of you had done it, I'd be very interested to hear how it went or even see what you wrote down. And then I think one of the other big takeaways that we could have gotten from these first two parts is the part about habit stacking. So there was a couple things interesting um, I felt with the, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, Diderot, (laughs) I'm probably not saying that correctly, but basically the person that ended up getting a lot of money and kind of had the, I guess, like wealth change their perception of their life and just started upgrading everything in their lives. But I think that that reminded me a lot of how Dennis warned you of lifestyle inflation. I'm sure some of you have heard of that, but basically... Now that you're a dentist, you think that you need to buy the big house and the fancy car. So that is one random thing that popped into my head when I was reading that rather than like saving or paying off your loans or like saving money for your future kids to go to college or something. A lot of people just think, oh, I'm earning a lot of money, so I have to live like a luxurious life. So that was one thing that came into my mind. But the actual takeaway that they were getting at, I think, was I can read this other quote at the bottom of this page. It says, Many human behaviors follow this cycle. You often decide what to do next based on what you just finished doing. So I thought that was a really good explanation of the habit stacking and how if you're doing one thing, it's going to lead to another thing. So if you're able to put a habit in your normal routine or your normal mindset it can just flow rather than, oh, I want to meditate sometime today, or I want to work out sometime today, or I should make a healthy meal this week. Like, it needs to be more concrete than that to, I think, really last, and that's one of the things. Like, a lot of things in self-help books, I think you know, in air quotes, Oh, like, yeah, of course, that makes sense, but how much of it do we actually implement? And if you know these things and you're not implementing them, it's like, what are we doing? You know, at least that's how I felt. I was like, oh, well, of course that's true. But if it's true, then why aren't you living like your absolute, absolute best life, you know? So those are some of my takeaways for the first two parts. I would love to hear your opinions and the Facebook group posts, or if you can't join the Facebook group, I'll probably make a post on my Instagram story as well. Well, the podcast Instagram, not my own personal one as well to hear your feedback but I do hope you all enjoyed this episode. Next week, I am joined with one of our Umish students. She is a D2, so she's not in my class, but she's a year older. And we talk about mental health in dental school. So I hope you're all looking forward to that episode and it can maybe give you some strategies to take care of yourself in this upcoming semester. And on that note, I will talk to you next Monday.